0: Hey there and welcome to Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host Tom Singer, and I have the honor to be at the at the controls of this podcast that we started along with the National Speakers Association back in January of 2021. And the show is growing, it's getting popular, so make sure if you work in and around the speaking business and you like Speakernomics, make sure that you tell your friends to tune in every single week, where we're gonna bring you a lot of ideas, tips, thoughts, and little nuggets that you can take action on to build your business and make more money as a speaker. And today I wanna welcome to the show, Dr. Jeffrey McGee. Now, we are gonna talk today about sort of How do you build better relationships so that you're not always having to chase a new speaking gig every single time? How can you build a better business through those relationships in the way you position yourself? So, Dr. Jeffrey McGee, welcome to Speakernomics. Thank you very much, great to be here, great to see you again. So, let's start with what are your two tips for speakers on building these better relationships that are gonna lead them to not constantly have to chase every stage.
1: Great question. Number one, leverage your mental DNA. And what I mean by that, Tom, is that we as speakers are really subject matter experts uh, walking around it's like, you know, live energy and you're moving with the boots. So what we really have to do is stop and really reflect and do a deep dive from birth to whatever your age is on your driver's license. What are your skills, your knowledge, your experiences, your pedigrees, your certifications, that lessons learned, University of Hard Knocks? Boil that down and then ask yourself, what do I have here legitimately that I can leverage that someone could benefit from and that I could monetize and turn into a business? The problem today is there's a lot of people with a mouth that think they're a podcaster, a lot of people with fingers that think they're bloggers, but all they're doing is creating noise and confusion. So, one, leverage your DNA, which will leverage your contacts and, and how you can benefit and help people to grow their business. Second is then we have to recognize how do you bundle that? Major shift in, in, in my industry, uh, in my business practice, was realizing the amount of energy it takes to, to find and market and sell and, and contract a one-time speaking engagement, whether it's a keynote or training, coach and consulting, way too much work, old school, old model, 99% of everyone does that. Back up, and if you leverage your mental DNA, you create bundles, packages, sell everything you have as a one-time stop, and let the customer tell you what they want to use And it's a lot easier business, a lot more fun.
0: You gave us a big mouthful there. And what we're going to do is we're going to unpack all of that in just a minute. But for those of you who don't know Dr. Jeffrey McGee, he works with business owners and leaders to help them become significantly more successful. And how does he do that? He does that by helping them tap into their human capital. So he has a lot of experience in this area. And that's why we invited him here to Speakernomics. So Jeffrey- Let's dive into that first tip where you said you've got to leverage your DNA. So let's take that into layman's terms. What do you mean?
1: So example, uh, in my 30 years in this industry, I've had the opportunity to work with Fortune 100 companies, associations, uh, private industry. And in that, let's just talk about one example experience. What are the experiences I gained? If I worked for Tom Singer in your business of several hundred employees, what did I learn works and doesn't work? And I leverage that not only to further help you, but to help my next client. We shouldn't be going in and working with the clients if it's the first time we've arrived on the planet and first time they've ever met us. So if you leverage what you've learned and you're paying it forward, that's why people want you they want you because what you've learned does and doesn't work. We as professional speakers we travel the globe whether it's through the through the internet, you know, whether it's Zoom or Microsoft Teams or whether it's Skype or whether it's WebEx you know, or whether we're physically touching someone because we're on that side of the planet. So we learn from culture. We learn from diversity. We learn from inclusion. We learn from resilience. We learn from what does not does not really work. We learn why is it one union shop is incredibly productive and profitable and the next union shop sucks. Well, they're both a the union, so it's going to be those experiences. And I won't go any further because that's why people pay me money and pay you money. So leveraging all of that. I've written for college textbooks, not one of them really around theory, because what I say, with all due respect, people who have never signed a payroll check, have tons of great ideas about labor. You sign a payroll check and you understand business differently. So you have to leverage your experiences. And that's why people will bring you back on their stage or into work in their boardrooms or to work with their senior leaders.
0: All right, so I love this idea of leveraging your experience because there are a lot of speakers out there who just see a topic that's trendy and suddenly that's what they're speaking about. So let's go to this idea of staying in the lane of where your experience is. How do I even know? I mean, sometimes speakers get in, they get caught up in what they're doing, their business takes on a life of their own. How do I even dissect it to know where my experience is that's gonna be marketable?
1: Great question. So, you know, one, your ability to just step back, park your ego and look at, let's say your lane, whether I am in diversity lane or I'm in customer service lane or I'm in project management lane or I'm in legality lane, pick one. What's your experience, your credentials? If you went to college or have advanced degrees, if you've ever written white papers, articles, books, if you look backwards in that career of life and look at the body of work that makes up your life, that's a very easy way, Tom, actually, to identify a lane that sometimes we may not have even realized is There that is going to be the lane of the future. Then you you lay that out in terms of where's the market trends going. Yeah, uh, you know, it's no secret. Old people retire. There's a newsflash, and some old people want to retire, become bored crapless, and come back to work. Well, is that your lane where you can connect and talk about them? We talk about generational diversity. but what about going to the other extreme? We always talk about you know how to connect with millennials and Z's. But what about baby boomers and cent? So again, you pick your lane based upon where you actually have success. There's your second answer. You know, just because you're a professional football player, basketball player, volleyball player, doesn't mean you have marketability if you can't help the team to win. So look at yourself in terms of how do you help an organization to win? Look at, you know, industry or association's values, purpose, mission statements. They'll tell you where they're trying to go, where they are going, or where they see the future. And again, if you can help people to, to sometimes maybe it's plot their future or help them them to accelerate living and gain, getting into their future, you're going to be highly marketable. People will come to you. So, how you can identify your experiences, lots of them. Now, you also said something very important, Tom. It's been a trap for a lot of people in lots of industries, not just us professional speakers. A lot of times people, they see, they see the fruit of the labor of a of a business person, whether they're in agriculture, manufacturing, whatever. And they all go, wow, I would like to have that. But what, what we have is a problem on our planet, twofold. One, there's this long line of everyone that's envious of what someone else has, it appears to be. But I've never seen the line of people that are envious of all the work it took to get there. Just like our podcast today, you and I have put in a lot of work before we showed up today, whether you're watching us or listening to us. So back to experience again, experience comes from jobs and internships and cooperatives and, and learning under people and doing things, baptism under fire being tossed in a deep and all those phrases we grew up with. But that's, what's really marketable today. It's not just whether you have or don't have a high school degree or a college degree, those are important, but those shouldn't be in essence uh, minimum entry to the game. I mean, you and I are of age, for our listeners, where it used to be you had to have a high school degree, I mean, a real legitimate high school degree, not what they give today, just to be admitted to the workplace. Well, today, I mean, you really almost have to have a bachelor's degree to be admitted to the workplace unless you have other E experiences. So there's a model I created to wrap up this question and answer called the Player Capability Index Model, and it's kind of a formula-esque way of talking about what is your DNA and e-experience is just one of the models in there, but that's what people are paying us for is to help them to solve a pain, solve a problem, or not just that. Sometimes what they're investing in us is to help them to accelerate through what might be potential you know, problems they could run into or, or inflection points of challenges that we've been there before. With someone else, we can help them to avoid them so they can accelerate success. Life is about accelerating success.
0: Well, I love how you brought up the, the whole thing of people will look at someone and think, oh, you know, I like what they have. I want to go. I want to go do that. Not realizing all the background. So for those who were at the National Speakers Association Influence Conference this last July, or if you watch the videos, uh, uh, Kim and Jason Katecki actually gave an entire speech that was the opening speech about must be nice. We look at someone and we say, oh, it must be nice that, you know, they were an astronaut or, oh, it must be nice that, you know, they were an early employee at Southwest Airlines or, you know, must be nice that they have this experience that allows exactly. them, that allows them to be hired. And Kim and Jason had a really good point, and that was we all have. A must be nice when I interviewed them on this program they spun it around on me and they said they had been at a conference where I had been the master of ceremonies and they sat there watching how I recapped all the speakers and they're like wow must be nice to be able to pick up on those little nuggets from the speakers I didn't even realize that that was something that they thought was a skill and so we all have them and what we have to do absolutely. is absolutely what we have to do is find ours and market that which leads me to one more question on this first tip and that is, let's say somebody has the experience and they have something that is marketable and they've done everything you said and dissecting it and looking for it and putting it out there. Then how do we market it to a meeting planner if it's not a sales talk, a leadership talk, a time management talk? If it's not one of those things that are sort of always on the agenda, how do we even get noticed by the meeting planners?
1: So so it's a great point. So when when I look at the workplace dynamic of the planet, there's a couple of formulas I've been using for a long, long time, and they've kind of worked their way into the lexicon of the you know, training and development side of, of this question. Every job comes down to TDRs, tasks, duties, and responsibilities. You look at a job description, I'm looking to promote someone, a client comes in and says, hey, here's what we need. It's always about tasks, duties, and responsibilities. So in order for someone to do any TDR, then that takes us to the next element. So TDR equals KSA, knowledge, skills, and ability. So, in order for anyone to do a minimum job of these tasks, and responsibilities, they must possess this knowledge, skill, and ability. Or if we hire a person and onboard them, then what's the sequential chronological KSA someone needs to be exposed to for a second and third to get them up to speed? So, now let's bring it into that meeting planner. What's the theme of this next event the meeting planner is looking to coordinate for for this client? And if we can help them to understand for your members to be successful leaving this event, these are the new TDRs to be relevant in the marketplace of so the you- if we plant those seeds that play to our experiences or our gifts, then we can come back and solve their own problem by saying, these are some of the KSAs I can deliver in a keynote or in a keynote plus a breakout afterwards, bundle it together, or just breakout sessions that makes it more marketable. Now, some of us are never going to be able to compete with a marquee branded name, you know, the president of the United States, a pro athlete that's that's in vogue right now, et cetera. So don't try to go head to head with them because sometimes those speakers are on the lineup. Nothing more is cotton candy at a a circus coming to town to get everyone's attention to walk in the tent Well, you're in there now, what's going to keep them. So for most of us that are content that have actually done a real job that are doing it still today, we are the meat and potato. We're the, we're the real substance. So again, if I want to be that marquee name, and you can leverage being a marquee and have substance, then you're going to have staying power. See, a lot of these marquee names, they sometimes are here today, and if they're not smart and save their money, they're gone tomorrow. And 2020 was the powerful reboot and reset to the entire world of every business 2020. So you can insert any word you want for 2020, pandemic, COVID, whatever. I just tell people 2020 was the great reset for the whole planet. And there's a lot of marquee names that were doing really good in business in 2019 that basically flatlined in 2020. And truth be told, it's a long time since 2020, depending upon when you're listening to this podcast. We're recording it in 21. And there's a ton of those marquee names that still have not had a paid engagement because I know some of them. Some of my friends. And so some of them. I've been re coaching, you've got to rebrand yourself based upon what you can leverage. You were a one trick pony in 2019. You had one great keynote that it made everyone feel good, even though six seconds, they're like cotton candy, squish, there's nothing there. People want substance today. And so it's very easy to leverage your, your mental DNA if you think about what are the needs of the market today and where's it going tomorrow.
0: All right, everybody, listen to this. Whether you're an NSA or beyond, you got to tap into that DNA. You need your TDRs for those KSAs and you need them PDQ. There we go. Absolutely right. Then you have real ROI. ROI. I was looking for, I was trying to find one more to wrap it up. Well done, Jeffrey. All right. So tip number two then is you got to bundle your deliverables. Well, we all hear about bundling, but what are you talking about?
1: So, so for me, you know, early on, uh, this is like you know, blow the dust off of the uh, old encyclopedia. I used to do market research for some of the large seminar houses, help them to see where market trends are going and what's the next topic. And then some of them, I even designed some of the topics uh, that they that they still use today. I mean, Fred Pryor seminars, Kurtrack Track seminars, Skill Pass seminars. Um, you know, some of the the topic training programs I actually designed decades ago, and it's kind of alarming they're still presenting it as new knowledge today. And there's hundreds. Of- not, thousands of speakers have been trained in my uh, ip but but what i mean by bundle instead of selling a a talk whether it's a keynote or a, or a, a mini program or a seminar and then selling your uh, diagnostic tools and <clears throat> selling your books and your cetera look at the lane you want to play in back to one of your earlier questions and if you really can own that lane create the product around it so for me I created what's called the Leadership Academy of Excellence. And a lot of people play in the leadership lane, so what makes mine different? What I recognize working with Fortune 100 C-suite is that how you develop the senior bench of an executive team is that there's a chronological order to what topics need to be addressed or reminded of everyone, first, second, and third. And then there's psychology behind how you grow and develop people. So I created a one-year-long relationship where, again, we use my college textbooks as some of the baseline. We create a binder system with workbooks in it. We have an online portal. We have an LMS system. We have a diagnostic instrument. There's weekly articles that come out. There's podcasts. See, I bundle it all together. So now if Tom buys my Leadership Academy of Excellence for your senior executives, whatever you want to define that to be, or your emerging next-gen leaders, whatever you want to define that to be, I come to you live one month, uh, one day a month for an entire year. Me, So when I sold my training company, which was a CPE firm that worked with attorneys and CPAs, one of the things I learned in that was accreditation. So now my product also is accredited. So that differentiates me from 99% of all the people that talk on leadership or open their mouth, period, and talk. Because when I do my programs, the content's already accredited. So those are in essence, nine examples of bundling product and how I put it together. So now I come to you and I, I develop, I design this leadership approach. We have immediately applicable tools. You and all your leaders will use with their teams for the next 30 days. There's, Coaching, it's built into that, if anyone wants to take advantage of that or not. So then at the end of the year, we have massively moved your team from where they are to where you want them to be to allow you to accomplish your goals. This also becomes a massive retention tool because we know through research, when people are more engaged and or being developed, they tend to stay with that employer. So it makes the organization stronger. We're developing the second and third generation of leaders who are strengthening the bench. Now, if I do my job right, the client automatically says, so what do we do next month? And so we just sign a contract for year two, three, four, and five. So I'm no longer selling really one time speaking engagements. I do some of that. You know, I'll drop those in between my, my larger clients. So it's a whole different marketing approach.
0: All right, Jeffrey, you just exhausted half of the audience. There was so many things in that one sentence that, that, that you have Well, it wasn't one sentence, but in that long explanation that you have. So let's take this back just a step. Let's, let's take it down. Nobody, nobody can start with you know the, the PhD level. Let's start them at the, uh, the, 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 the entry level to college uh, level on what they can do when it comes to bundling. So if somebody is sort of a traditional speaker model and they sell speech after speech after speech – what can they do to start building that bundle? Perfect. So
1: let's say I talk on safety and I do a keynote on safety. Well, that keynote on safety is, is usually a macro talk with maybe one or two micro nuggets in it. In, in the macro, are generalizations or ideas or directions, their themes. And the micro might be some HOWs, how tos, some applications. So if, if that's me as a safety speaker, then view that as really the title of a book. And the couple of micros you talk about might be sections. So then if I view those as sections, each section in a book, call that a chapter, could be a standalone mini, M-I-N-I, mini workshop. So now I'm a safety person and Tom Singer's bringing me into his organization because it's a manufacturing or electrical or plant or lumber, whatever. And I'm going to come in and I'm going to do the safety keynote for your in-house annual meeting. So I do that talk. And out of that, you say, wow, that was really, really powerful, Jeffrey. I love that. You know, can, can you come back and work with just my managers, my supervisors and help them to understand the importance of safety? The answer obviously is yes, because I have all this leveraged DNA. So now I say, well, how, you know, how much time do we want to budget that? And you say, well, let's do a half day program, three to four hours. Okay. So now I put together. Topic number one, why is safety so important and how do you measure safety? That could be a program. Then from that, you're going to go, that was great. Can you give us ways to communicate safety company-wise. There's my second program, communicating safety company-wide. And then it just will naturally come to you what each of those modules start to become. And each one's a half-day program. So now let's say I can come up with four modules. So I come in and I do a keynote for Tom Singer's company. And now I I sell to you maybe once a month, the next four months I come in and I do a half-day program. So that's one way of doing it. And then from that, I can reverse engineer and write a book. Or each of those chapters might be, okay, wait a minute, how do I reinforce the program, once I leave the stage with Tom's group, let me write a blog or an article. So your articles and blogs could go to a book. Your book chapters could become articles and blogs. So I'm repurposing content. And then that also helps me become more successful.
0: All right. So if we start small and we we take the speech and we find those little micro sections and, and we take them out and we make, make more stuff, then what's the next step?
1: Then the next step is that those articles can become a book that book if I think about it I can create two books I can write a traditional non-fiction book like we buy in the library because it has all the HOWs in a way or I can take that you know Senge wrote a book The Fifth Discipline many years ago and he was the one that changed a lot of our writing industry as speakers because when he wrote this book everyone came back and said wow I love it but, but how do I implement it within my organization so he wrote the second version which is basically the how-tos so a college textbook if you think about it is nothing more than a how-tos you're writing a book you're talking about your content and you put some questions at the end of the chapter that test people on how to use these ideas. So now I can create an instruction book. Um, McGraw Hill came to me years ago and said, you know, we have a lot of businesses that have sales teams, uh, a lot of sales books out there, but a lot of companies, they may have a sales manager, Tom works for a company and he's the sales manager. You know, can we write a book that gives him a little mini, M-I-N-I, mini sales modules so we can do his own NL sales training program, 30 minute module once a week, what have you. And I said, perfect. 52 weeks in a year. I sat down and wrote down 52 lesson plans. Now you buy that book online, you've got 52 weeks worth of training. So that's one way you can take it and start making it bigger. Then that might turn into a podcast or into articles or in, into a trade journal or magazine or you partner with another organization. You said associations a minute ago, so let's go back there for a minute. You know, associations make money four ways. And during you know the great reboot of 2020, a lot of those associations almost went out of business because one of the primary ways they make money is meetings and conferences. And when they all you know ran in panic mode in March and April 2020 and started canceling and everything all year versus 30, how do we you know, change our trajectory, maybe do online or something? which by August, September, everyone that canceled realized, holy crap, we can't do that. So then they started realizing this word "virtuals" out there, which some of us have been playing in virtual for 15 or 20 years. So the reboot of 2020 was nothing for us. We already were there. So associations make money on membership. They make money on meetings. They make money on certifications. And they make money by one-off activities. So again, if you're a content-leveraged speaker, trainer, coach, consultant, that's another way to approach associations is that you may have a product that really could be re white labeled with them ready to go. They could instantly take on all the marketing of you to their members and draw people to a webinar or a half day program or a live event featuring you with your product. And now they make more money. Um, I do a lot of work in the CPA space. And and again, there's a couple of great state CPA societies that are very progressive, That they're always looking for great content to market to their members. And then that becomes a lead generator for you.
0: All right. So we've talked about a lot already, but one of the things we said up front was how all of this in building bigger and better relationships are part of what you were talking about. So let's take this back to the everything you've already told us to the relationship side of your business.
1: So again, your entry point in an organization is going to tell you the bandwidth of relationships. So again, if Tom is uh, the HR director for an organization, which is where most speakers and trainers enter companies, because most training is usually bolted underneath of HR. Well, if you're in charge of HR training, the people you know in life are going to be mid-level organizational people, no disrespect, but they're mid-band people that are really not going to be able to buy you if your fees, you know, much over around five or $6,000 in appearance because you're in a budget constrained world. But if your entry points with business owners or the C-suite, then they're more inclined to look at you from a bigger picture. They may invest in you for a longer term shelf life and the fees there could be significantly higher. And if you're a business owner or C-suite, you're more likely going to be networking with other business owners and c suiteers So again, how I leverage a relationship is if I can serve you, you may turn me on to some colleagues that you're a part of within essence, ceo to ceo peer groups or in essence within your trade associations you're part of or within your own zip code that you network with or etc so again notice who you interact with has a great deal of where you go um, in my magazine professional performance magazine you know i've interviewed the last four presidents of the united states celebrities athletes entertainers you know c-suite executives and one of the things i've noticed as a pattern to, to close out answering this question, is that every phenomenal personality I've ever met or interviewed, the people they interact with typically are other phenomenal personalities. So it's a huge network. If I'm interviewing an employee, no disrespect, but they've limited who they know. And the only way that they can break out of that is that they have to bring value to a higher demographic, a different demographic, then they'll be invited to play with that demographic.
0: Awesome. All right. So as we wrap this up, You have seen, been friends with, worked with many people in the professional speaking business. And you said earlier that a lot of people who might have been those marquee speakers in 2017, 18 and 19 got kicked in the teeth during COVID and many people haven't recovered. So switching gears here, what do you wish that every speaker knew as we go into 2022 that you think maybe they don't? Essentially, what's holding speakers back right now?
1: You have to be relevant and relevant doesn't mean topical for today. You mentioned that comment a minute ago, a lot. People get excited because you know they see someone and we believe someone's been really good on topic A and with demographic B, and everyone jumps on that bandwagon. Again, you can be really damn good at self-marketing, and yeah, you'll have some successes, but you're gonna go up fast. And the reality is you're gonna crater quickly. If you don't really, in essence, help people to be relevant tomorrow. So so I would say as speakers, it's not about being relevant today. Everyone says that. That, That's wrong. You've got to be relevant for tomorrow. Where's the marketplace going? tomorrow. I mean, Gallup, at the time we were recording this, Gallup is, has some statistics to say between April of this year and today, a five-month window, more than 20 million Americans have quit their job. On top of roughly 50 million Americans that are sidelined because of, in essence, the great pandemic of 2020, unemployment, PPP money uh, being, being baited that, you know, you can have zero integrity and therefore just sit on your couch and the government will pay you to sit there. And yes, I said that because I'm coaching my clients that have been interviewing for the past 16 months and people have actually said, I can get paid more to stay home than to work here. You should be keeping a list of those people. So when they come back when the free money runs out, you can have an integrity conversation. See, that's for the future is where I'm going. You've got to be thinking about where's the future, not right now. When you think about right now, you're limiting yourself, you're limiting your deliverables, you're limiting your selling, you're limiting your marketing. If you can think about yes now, but the future, you're more marketable to a meeting planner, yourself and your clients.
0: Help people to be relevant tomorrow. I hope everybody wrote that one down. So, Dr. Jeffrey McGee, thank you so much for being a guest here on Speakernomics. Absolutely great time, appreciate it, Tom. Awesome, and to everybody who listened, please join us every single week for more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make more money as a professional speaker. We all wanna get out there and succeed. The world has changed, our cheese has been moved. But you know what? future is so bright we all should be wearing shades all right absolutely remember this everybody remember the motto of this podcast speak get paid repeat